here. Let me just see if I can get a little closer there. Let's start with a prayer. So grateful and so thankful for our wholeness and our holiness. The love of God shining in our hearts and our minds. We are grateful and thankful to come together for the purpose of recognizing that our true identity is the love of God now and forevermore. We are joined together in the love and the light. We are the rainbow beings that we have waited for. We come together for the purpose of recognizing all that is good. We come together for the purpose of releasing all that blocks and obscures our awareness of the good. So grateful that we can truly sink into our holiness and join together and celebrate it. In gratitude, we magnify and multiply our awareness of love. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm -hmm. Zippity doodah. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with that super short breakout and just do a check in and share um, what uh, is in your life that is healing and nourishing and expansive, uh, any do-overs that you've recognized, any opportunities that you've taken to choose love instead of fear, your ahas and insights. So we're back. I'm gonna just do a little bit of housekeeping. So next week is our last class of the year. Um, I'm going to invite um, everyone to come to the last year one class. There's the last year one class is going to be the last Saturday, which is, I believe, the 29th. And it's going to be at their normal community call time. And then the last class, there's going to be one more class for year two on that Sunday. So you're welcome to come to either one of those. And uh, the Sunday call will probably be at um, that 11 a.m. time also. Um, and then we're probably going to do New Year's Reboot for next year on January 1st, which will be the, um, I believe it's the Tuesday that Tuesday, Tuesday, January 1st. Um, and then the week after that, I think, I guess I should pull my calendar up here. Uh, the, uh, in January next year, I'm doing my five day challenge again and I'm, I'm encouraging everyone in Masterful Living to fully participate uh, and that five days is going to be Monday to, fr to Friday, January 7th to 11th. And then we're going to have um, 
some year one New Year's reboot classes, inviting everyone to come to those. They'll be very work-oriented, process-oriented. And I believe that, let me just see here, that the first Ascension Pathway class is... So you'll have a lot of other things before then, but I think the first AP class is the 17th. Or you know what? Is it the 17th? Shoot, I'll look that up. I should know it, but um, yeah. And the the year one mastery circle facilitators are onboarding now so if you'd like to do that next year reach out to linda if you haven't already done that reach out to her and um yeah we're gonna jump right in last week of december we're going to start the activation session process for next year and we're going to do it a little bit differently this year so um, it can be even more comprehensive. I think uh, next year is going to be uh, deeper and wider for all of Masterful Living and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, very, very excited about it. Yes. Um, So let's talk about this. Oh, you know, one other thing I'll just mention is that Rosalind, who's not here right now, uh, she and I are talking about uh, co-offering a class on the Enneagrams next year for those who might be interested in going a bit deeper. I did a, a training with the Enneagram Institute uh, a couple weekends ago on relationship enneagrams and relationships and it was uh it was definitely helpful to me because we really got more in depth with people in the room sharing about their experience of their enneagram and also sharing their experience with their family members and their enneagram personality types and in the process, I realized that for the last dozen years or so, I felt that my dad was a two, definite two. And I realized through sharing in the room from some threes that, oh my gosh, my dad is a three with a strong two wing. And a three is different than a two. So um, yeah, that was very helpful to me. So for me, the Enneagrams, very, very helpful in relationship. And also, uh, as Rosalind put it, when we talked about it um, last year, recognizing that the stuff of the personality that we take on is just being our stuff and our um, liabilities is, in fact, this template that we chose to express our spirit through for the very highest and best learning of ourselves and, and coming into ascension. These are the personality types that we picked 
to help us awaken. No mistakes have been made. No mistakes have been made. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. And in the um, in that Enneagram training, I was sharing with some of the people who were saying, you know, I'm just not sure. I feel like I'm a little bit all of them. I just don't know, which is how I felt originally. I said, read in depth. Someone who's written very well about them. Like I like that book uh, by Helen Palmer, The Enneagrams at Love and Work. And so you can really see how each of the personality types relates to other people, how they process thing, things in their perspective. And then when you read yours, you're going to want to puke. You're going to want to vomit all over for days. And that's how you know that's what you are, because the thought of it makes you sick. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. I literally felt sick to my third chakra for about three days, just like, oh, God, my personality. But it was so helpful to me to identify those things because I just started saying, like Rosalind, oh, there's my eightness showing. Oh, there's my eight. Instead of ident it really helped me to shift my identification from thinking I am this personality to, oh no, this personality is like something I bought in a store that I'm now wearing. It's not me, it's not who I am. It's like the house that I live in, but it's I am not the house. I am just living in the house. And I can remodel the house. The struct basic structure will still be there but I can make it beautiful and inviting and comfortable and lovely and charming and a happy, happy place. Yeah. And Rosalind said something to me. She said, I was a very highly evolved eight, which I do feel that that's true because I've worked at it. I, I really had a desire to offload all the unpleasant aspects of the eight of which there are many, 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 many. So, so Donald Trump is uh, an eight. Martin Luther King Jr. is an eight. So those are the two models. So when I see, um, like yesterday in the White House, uh, Don, Donald Trump was arguing with, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and saying that, no, you're the one who said it. You're the one who said it. I was just like, oh, I remember doing that. I remember doing that all the time. You, you're the one. No, not me. Never me. I'm beyond reproach. And so glad that I can just say, oh, yeah, I can take responsibility for that. Yeah, no, I'm the one who did that. You're right. Oh, thanks for pointing that out to me. Oh my gosh, that's so helpful. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. And I do not have to defend myself. Yesterday in the radio show, I was sharing a section in the course that makes it so clear how uh, all defensive tactics are um, really like shooting ourselves in the foot. 
insult, injury, pain, and suffering so diminishing whenever we start defending ourselves. And I used to just live in that place of constant defense. So glad I don't put my energy into that anymore. All right, so let's turn to the seven sacred flames unless anybody has any questions about any of those things. Sue. Day. What day is um, our class gonna be? Ascension pathway, pathway will be on Thursday and sometime soon, I'd like to do it in the, for sure in the next week, you will get a survey to see what your preferred time would be. And we'll, as much as possible, we'll go with that. But it will be, uh, my, my sense is it's gonna be about one o'clock Eastern. Okay. So uh, an hour earlier than we've been having class. Okay, and when is spiritual counseling gonna be? I don't know that that's gonna change, but I actually was thinking about it so that Phil could participate, cause she's, you know, it's the middle of the night for her. And so I think if we could go earlier, if we could all agree to go earlier, that would be great. How, do you have a time in mind earlier? I don't. Okay. Earlier would be better for me. Yeah. I'll have someone, that's great. I'm glad. We're we are in uh, sync. Okay. We're in sync. Yeah. Anand. Well, it's, um, this is unrelated um, with any of these topics. Um, maybe not with the, I don't know. But I'm really struggling with something right now. And I, I'm happy that we're convening today. I don't know if this is the right venue in which to express this, but um, I'm having a lot of trouble and I was wondering if it'd be okay for me to share. You bet it is. So um, I have lately, I'm having trouble um, with my temper and uh, uh, I, got a, I got into an argument. I got into this. I have an old, I have a friend who I'm very close to for over 20 years. And um, I help her with a lot of issues, um, both, um, both uh, mental, emotional stuff as well as her business. And so I give her help with that. And then I gave her some advice. She sent me something on Messenger saying that she was going to do something, and I thought it was an ill-advised action to take. And I think I was correct about that because I think 99% of people would have agreed with me that it was, you know, something that was she was kind of breaking the rules of a website in order to do something to be expedient about whatever she wanted to accomplish. So I, I really just told her not to do it. And then she didn't write back to me. And then later on that night, I was talking to her. I had some free time and we were just talking. And then she told me that, you know, she went ahead and did that. And now that I look back on it, it's okay. I mean, I'm looking back on the learning of it, which is that she can do what she wants. You know, really, I gave my the advice or whatever, and that's fine. But I lost my temper with her on the phone um, when she told me that she just went ahead and did it. And I said to her basically that, you know, 
that if she continued, that I, I couldn't help her with her business anymore if she, because of what she did. Um, and looking back on it, it's not really how I feel about it. Um, I just was sort of thrown for a loop for what she did and I just felt kind of, I felt disrespected about the fact that I thought I was giving her very sound advice and um, that she just kind of went over, went around my back to do it. And then she said a lot of vindictive things to me on the phone, which um, I'm good friends with her. And so the thing is, like, I, I didn't realize how much I value our friendship. And until like today and yesterday, I've just been feeling very badly about it. And I don't care about the business, honestly, but I just, and I don't even know what's going on. Like, I know things are going to get better about the whole thing, but I'm just feeling very badly about this. And I, I really don't know what to do with it. And I'm just kind of, I want to forgive it. I want to let it go, but I just, I wish it was happening a little faster. Um, and I just thought I would just bring it, bring it up here. Um, I feel a little better just talking about it, I guess. Um, I think things are good. I wrote her a long letter today on email explaining that I just, basically explaining that I apologize for losing it, that there was no justification for me getting upset, and that I accept that I got mad, but I there's no justification for it, and that I just laid it all out in a big email, and I sent it out. So I haven't heard back from her yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that I'm losing my temper easily these days. Like in my breakout session, I lost my temper with the partner I was with for no, re for no good reason. Um, and I'm concerned about it because a part of me is just telling me to just be quiet and just meditate upon it and wait till it goes away and just stop, just be silent for a while so that I can get some distance between this react reactivity and, uh, and who I really am. So maybe that's the right approach, but I'm not a part of the other part of me is kind of go ahead, please. You know, um, I'm really glad that you're bringing this up, Anand, and that you feel safe to talk about this with all of us. And even that you shared about the breakout, uh, that to me is tremendous. It's a tremendous um, accomplishment for you that you feel safe with us, you trust us, that you are willing to, I mean, you always are really willing to be honest and vulnerable and truthful with us, but it is, it is uh, a very beautiful thing. And I'm just going to say this first, because you're bringing it up in front of everybody. Um, you're a talkative person, you know, you, 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 you're, uh, you know, very intelligent and very thoughtful and um, curious about life and about spirit and all of that. And you share um, a tremendous amount with us. You're very talkative and which is wonderful. And since you've had the pancreatitis, you have been sharing in a way that it felt to me like you weren't quite as self-aware as you normally are and share, sharing so much that it was, I was interrupting you and saying, it's enough. And you would even be saying, let me just say one more thing. And I'd say, no, no, it's already enough. 
And um, that was not, is not how you normally are. You were just not quite yourself is how I would put it. And so I, my immediate feeling is that what you're sharing about is actually some kind of chemical, uh, something going on that might be related to the pancreatitis because it, it started after that. And, and pancreatitis, I don't know about it these days. I don't know anything about medical stuff at all. In fact, I was just uh, filling out medical insurance things, and um, someone asked me, when was the last time you went to the doctor? And I was like, there, you know, I just don't go. I don't have a need to go. So I'm not a medical person. But um, it used to be that pancreatitis would cause mood swings and all kinds of things like that. Well, I had an acute uh, pancreatitis. I don't have it anymore. Um, so in that sense, no, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to contradict you. It could be that. It might be some residue though. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe the sort of the, whatever caused it, maybe whatever the root cause of the illness, since everything occurs in the mind and then sort of comes from there, maybe that's coming up, you know, um, there has been a lot going on as far as shifting in my life. Um, in the last few months and uh and i asked for expansion and it's happening um but you know now i think i'm facing new i'm facing old patterns but now i have to i'm i, I feel like they're coming up so that i can walk past them but uh, so yeah so that's what i feel about it is that now since i'm working on expansion and the expansion opportunity is coming now um i have to walk through it you know because there's no other way in my mind to, to get past these fears or whatever's coming up in my mind. It's a new learning for me, this learning of how to be helpful, but also, and be responsible and also not, um, how to, I'm, I'm trying to do a new way. That's what I'm, I guess I'm where I'm okay. coming from is I've, really trying to do something in a different way than I used to. Right. So I think that I'm not used to that. I'm used to being, uh, I'm used to just sort of going intensely into something and being what I am, but I recognize now that that's not the way that I'm trying to practice from A Course in Miracles. So, so, so it's sort of like doing the hokey pokey, you know, I'm going in and out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think I just need to learn how to face my fears and not retract into my shell and hide away in my bedroom, but at the same time, like confront everything, but also do it calmly, peacefully, and solution-oriented and without conflict. So I'm learning. I think more things are being brought to the table. Yeah. Can I just ask you too, Anand, are you and your wife still doing that diet thing? Yeah, yeah, we're, we are. We fell off the bandwagon for a long time, but uh, we got back into it recently. My wife got sick last week, actually. She got, uh, not pancreatitis, but diverticulitis. So we both spent time in the hospital with each other at the ER for wow. stomach ailments. But she got better in a week. And that was also a big lesson because she saw all the things I took responsibility for around the house. 
And I took care of her thoroughly for a week, but she just laid in bed and slept. And now our relationship is a million times better because she got to see me taking care of her, like without arguing or anything. I literally took care of her and took care of the entire house. Yeah. Everything. So um, it's been taking some time to get back into a routine now with Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and the holidays and so many new changes. Well, um, being highly intentional is good. Eliminating extra stressors is good. Um, And eating foods that support you in feeling balanced, you know, because if you're, you know, if the way you're eating gets you in a place where you're hangry at all, you know, because I can get hangry and then I'm just like, get out of my way. Get yeah, out of my way. Yeah, sometimes I, I use when I when I eat however I would like to, then yeah, then that's not an issue. The hangriness is not an issue. So Yeah, so there are different factors involved. So increasing your self love and self care and also I feel that right now it started I don't know maybe a week ago or so it's maybe it's the extra intensity of the Christ light but I just feel like things have amped up a few notches and then when Mercury went retrograde and that to me is like a meaningless thing but I do see it impacts things and and in the world of form, you know, the government knows that it impacts things. And um, we we just went Mercury retrograde a few days ago. My computer's been all these problems. And, um, you know, these, that energetic is a stressor. I, I mean, I can feel it. I feel it in my body. Like, oh, okay, what is it? Is it? The, the intensity coming from the sun, the energy waves coming from the sun, from the fifth dimension or higher dimensions. But like, you look at all the faces here and like Elizabeth is going through intense stuff with her place. Carla's been going through intense stuff with her family. Jenny's just on vacation, um, kidding. Uh, Joe's going through intense stuff. Kareen, do you feel like it's been intense for you? Last Sunday, I had a very intense day that I posted on Facebook about, so some people may know about it already. Okay. But but it got healed because I happened to be in church right after the experience had happened to me. And while I was in church, I was able to put it on the altar and remember all the things that I've been reading and just really saying, I am through with this sadness. I am through with this. I really just completely got to a point where I just put it there and left it there. So I came out of it beautifully. So I'm very grateful. But it was very intense on last Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Kareem. Sue? How about you? Are you experiencing the intensity of density? I think so, because um, 
things are happening in my family. My sister has been diagnosed with dementia. <sighs> my brother was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Oh my. So, um, and both my daughters have moved, you know, they're not here anymore. They're farther away. Um, so that's been intense. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I really, <clears throat> I really love working with the sacred flames. Um, that's very steadying for me. Um, I've been um, doing the meditations online. And that's helped me to really get into a wonderful meditation. And then I just shut it off when it's done and I just stay in there. And... Um, I've been doing the, the prayers, and, um, and I've, I've learned a lot from Jerry's situation, you know, that helps me. Just, there's nothing I can really do about it except pray. Yeah. And give it to God, and just keep giving it to God, you know, when I, when I feel those sad feelings. Um, reminding myself of the truth and just putting it back in the box, the prayer box. Mm -hmm. Yes. I will mention too, Sue, that um, did you, have you ever heard me talk about Vipassana and Parkinson's? Vipassana and Parkinson's? No, I haven't. So I'm not going to tell the, the whole story, but when I was on the Vipassana retreat in 2009, you know, the 10-day Vipassana, mm -hmm. um, there was a woman there who had Parkinson's. I didn't know that's what was going on with her, but on the first day she had to have a walker in order to walk, and she was shaking like this. That's how much she was shaking. And um, on the 10th day, she didn't need the walker. She could carry her own food. She was hardly, she really wasn't shaking at all. Wow. Yes. And she, I sat with her at lunch once we could talk. I was dying to know what was going on with her because I saw her changing every day. And she was sitting in the same area as me. And so when we broke the silence, I asked her, I said, please, can I hear what's going on with you? I'm so curious. And she said that her brother, her uncle had Parkinson's and uh, she had gotten a diagnosis five years before. And her uncle, who was a medical doctor, tried to tell her, go do Vipassana. He said, I don't have any symptoms and I do Vipassana meditation every day. And nobody in the family knows I have a Parkinson's at all. No one knows. And she said, I just wouldn't do it. She said, I've spent so many thousands of dollars on every kind of treatment and spiritual program and everything. And I finally just said, okay, okay, okay. I'll try the Vipassana. And she said, it's just been amazing. And she said, I just signed up for a 30-day Vipassana. So your brother may not be interested in something like that, but boy, I'd much rather sit in 10 days of silence than go, you know, the way many people go when they have Parkinson's diagnosis. Yeah. Something to think about. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, she went from just literally, she could not control her body to she just didn't seem to have any issues at all in 10 days. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and she was so happy. She said, you've no idea how much joy I have. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you and your family, Sue. Thank you. Yeah, look at, you know, we, like you said about holding things in prayer, you think of your son-in-law and how, you know, things actually have improved in, in their family because of the challenges and that he's come through. And, and the family has come through, too, as yeah. a family. Yeah. 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 And I see uh, Rand there. Rand, too, has been having uh, lots of challenges. It's just been a challenging time for everyone. And for some people, it's been um, very, very overwhelming. Very overwhelming. So just to let you know, Anand, you, we, this, I, I, it feels like this is what's going on for all of us, super intense challenges. Carla's nodding her head. And um, so we can relate. We are here for you. And you do have the tools, and God is presenting you with opportunities to demonstrate the strength of your heart and your mind. And, you know, I mean... I'll speak for myself, as I often do, and I'll say that I can forgive anyone losing their temper. I can forgive anyone losing their temper and saying things that are outrageous, partly because I used to do it all the time, so I'm forgiving myself. But like that's human experience. And when someone comes back and says, I am sorry. I'm so sorry you didn't deserve that. I, I really lost it. It was not about you. And they take responsibility in whatever, to whatever degree of skill they have. You know, some people are very skilled at articulating how they feel and some people are not, and that's fine. But if people can come back and say, I'm sorry I put you through that. I'm sorry that happened. Thank you for putting up with me. And here's the decision I'm making now. I've, I'm doing things differently. And uh, I, and even I'd like your help, you know. I'd like, you know, because a lot of times if we, we can say to people, if you see... If you, if you ever feel that I'm saying something that feels hurtful to you and you think that I'm, you know, in any way, please, please tell me. Because sometimes I don't realize what's going on. I lose perspective. And I'd never want to lose you because of it. You are dear to me. Then, you know, we can give a hug and it's, we can handle it. And it actually makes us closer and stronger in our relationship. We're stronger in the places where there was a fracture. 
Yeah, I appreciate that, Jennifer. Um, yeah, while, while we were speaking before you said the last thing, which was beautiful, um, I was just sitting quietly and it, it really, the answers just dawned upon my mind basically about that everything's going to be okay and that I just need to go back to what I used to do kind of as far as just the, when you talked about the fasana, and I know that was about the Parkinson's issue, but it really struck me. Like I was like, I was just sitting and listening. And then all of a sudden, like I felt the healing happening because I know how to do Vipassana. So I just kind of sat down. Yeah. was just observing where in my body I was feeling things. And I was just observing without judgment. And I was able to release a lot of things just while you were talking. And just that space, your voice is very comforting. And um, I was just able to relax with all of you lovely people online, all our friends, you know, and uh I was able to. I was able to just remember that. Hey, I need to just sit quietly and let just maybe just sit quietly and let all this stuff go. And also, what you just said at the end was just beautiful too, which is that I, when I sent the letter to my friend today, um, I basically it almost came out like a forgiveness letter <laughs> to her. Like you know, how at the end you say like I'm asking what I'm asking for from you or the universe or from whatever right now is. I almost wrote that very same line without even thinking about it to my friend. I said, I guess what I'm asking for right now is for your patience and whatever. I just made it about the friendship and that that's what's important to me. And I like what you just said that, you know, maybe she can help me um, with this issue because it is coming up. It's come up three or four times recently and I'm, I've caught on to it right away. And I think it's a very old pattern of mine anyway. And I think for years, I never questioned it. I just did it that way. And it played out in a certain way in my life. Mm. But I've, I've made some strict rules for myself over the last couple of years about how to engage with people. And I think when I get caught up in the anger, I get caught up in the whole ego mind and I can't get out of it. And that's why I get frustrated and you have to tell me to stop, but I won't stop and because I'm just in that whatever. So anyway... Um, I appreciate the what you had to say, and I will take it to heart for sure. And um, I, I do already feel better, honestly. I feel way better, and um, I, I, everything's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be just fine. Everything is okay, and uh, I appreciate everybody's uh, willingness to listen and and share that with me. Because sometimes I just need to let that stuff out to an actual physical person. So. Go ahead. Elizabeth, thank you, Anand. Oh, hang on one sec. I have this little book by Louise Hay. Hmm. And it's a, um, a list of all kinds of, uh, of diseases or whatever. And the probable cause, it says, of pancreatitis mm -hmm. is rejection Anger and frustration because life seems to have has uh, because life seems to have lost its sweetness. And to fix it, uh, what is the right word for fixing? Um, to shift it. it. It's a new thought pattern. Um, I love and approve of myself. And I alone create sweetness and joy in my life. So I will email or text that to you later. 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It sounds pretty, uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's like the hammer hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah. Yeah. There is a sense of, uh, there is a, a weird dreaded sense of like futility and meaninglessness that sort of hangs around in my mind. And uh, I don't believe it though. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's a common thing there, Anand. Uh, who else has gone through periods or decades, you know, short or long? Of you know, what's the point? What's the point? Right. <laughs> yeah. What was that song that Peggy leaves to sing? Um, like, is that all there is? You know. Remember that song? No. Uh, if you come up with more than just is that all there is I can probably sing it yeah something like that Peggy Lee mm. Peggy Lee's big hits I think I have to google it um, alright good sharing everyone let's talk about the seven sacred flames and Sue, they brought me tremendous, tremendous healing and comfort and, and clarity and just so much gratitude. So, so much gratitude. So let's look at page 98. And actually, we're going to take a look at the bottom of 97. So this is, um, this is in the chapter about the fourth ray, which is the ascension ray, the white, pure white uh, ascension ray. And um, this is the uh, discourse by uh, Lord Serapis Bay or Serapis Bay. And um, last paragraph here on 97, he says, I am embodied discipline, says Serapis Bay. For centuries, most people have feared that discipline. I am dedicated to seeing that you pass through the fires of purification and that you, <clears throat> who desire the opportunity of gaining your ascension, might persevere until that day of victory. Angels of the Ascension Temple gather all the praise, adoration, songs, devotion, and blessings sent upward by individuals in congregational or individual worship. These energies created by devotional practices are carefully woven into the ever-widening spiritual stream of energy. And as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of all the years I sang in the Agape Choir. And... Um, on and you know finding the things that you enjoy in life that feel sweet to you you know like singing in the choir or just like putting on the music turning it up and while doing the dishes and organizing and cooking and singing along these are the sweet things to me of life um it says these energies created by devotional practices, yes, are carefully woven into the ever-widening spiritual stream of energy. Each new soul who attains ascension status 
makes it easier for the next life stream to avail itself of the fully gathered cosmic momentum of those who have gone before. Then page 98. So this is about the initiations of the seven rays. So we talked about the blue ray last time. So that's the first ray, the ray of God's will. It says the candidate for ascension must learn to control and transform all thoughts and feelings that are not aligned with their divine self. So it's exactly what you're talking about there on it. This is the initiation of mastery of the first temple, the temple of God's will that the hopeful and the brave must pass. The candidate must learn to commune with his own God presence and to develop within himself true humility before it. So remember, true humility really is no one is better, no one is less, all is one. Within the first temple, under the direction of Master El Moria and his assistants, the aspirant is assisted in the dissolving of rebellion. Rebellion took Lucifer from the heart of heaven. The rebellion against discipline and self-correction is a barrier to real spiritual progress, right? Because rebellion is reactive. Within the discipline of a good night's sleep, abstinence from tobacco, alcohol, and recreational drugs, you ease your pathway to your glorious freedom. Those who do not wish to accept those disciplines have not yet the stimulus to become the best, to be the highest, and the greatest expression of a God incarnate. Any thoughts about that initiation? Just the basics there. Let's go on to the second ray, which is the golden yellow ray. So Monday is the day of the blue ray. You'll notice a lot that I wear um, blue on that day. And um, the second uh, ray is Sunday, the yellow ray, the ray of illumination. So it's a, it's a golden yellow, but it's think of the yellow of the sun. So those who have successfully passed the initiations of the first temple are taken to the second temple, known as the temple of learning. Under the guidance of Lord Lanto, the Master Katumi, Master Katumi and the Brotherhood of the Golden Robe, also Dwal Kool, Master Dwal Kool, they are given instructions in the law. Here they, are, they develop understanding of the law of cause and effect and all under other universal laws. So it's illumination. Think of also illumination of the mind, wisdom. It is a pleasant and happy time of sowing the seeds of breathing life upon these seeds and bringing in a harvest of work. It is the time when the artist develops his skills. The musician develops dexterity in his musical accomplishments, and the teacher becomes eloquent in conveying knowledge to his students. And, uh, oh, I'm just heating up. To, my whole body is heating up talking about it. Um, Master Katumi was St. Francis in one of his lifetimes. Yes. And think, I always think of St. Francis as bringing the light into the darkness 
into that dark, dark time. Kareen? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, um, I was so interested in this thing. I was, I've been into it a lot. And I got confused at the beginning with the days, but then I go, I went back to the introduction. And on the introduction, it has the seven flames of God. And it says, Sunday, the yellow ray, Monday, the royal blue. It has like the days, because I was looking for what day I was. And I wonder, because you said you look up, if you look up your birthday, the day of the week you were born is the way that you are, right? Well, I mean, more or less that supposedly you came into during that high. That that's high. what I, I assessed for myself. So I was born on a Saturday and I'm a seventh ray person. Okay. So, oh, okay. But now what's the difference between the, the seventh, like the first day to the seventh day or the Monday? the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they don't necessarily. They don't. Out. Yeah. Like the first ray oh. is on Monday. The second ray is on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's why I was confused. Cause over here it says Sunday, the yellow ray illumination and the mind of God is amplified. So, so according to the introduction, Sunday is the yellow ray. Yes. It's not the first ray. Right. Monday is the, the yellow day. Is not the first ray. Ray. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. now I gotta go. Seven day, yeah, a different seven day, thing with that. Yeah, so um, like the seventh ray is on Saturday, which is the last day of the week. Uh, um, some people think of Sunday as the last day of the week, but it's not. It's you know on calendars really, uh, a lot of calendars they start with Sunday. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, that, I understand now. Thank you. But and we're talking here about the fourth ray which is the ascension ray, the white ray, which is Friday. I heard you say in the community call that you were born on a Thursday, which is the day of the resurrection ray. I have not gotten to that one yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's, I, I'm glad you all have become interested in this because um, <clears throat> to me it's one of the, just, this is the most precious book to me. You can see here my book. <laughs> I have a couple of them and this, this is my, my very worn one. All right. So the third day, which is um, Tuesday, third ray, the rose pink ray of divine love, Tuesday. So I tend to wear um, pink on Tuesday. I, I do try to match up. I don't make it a strict thing, like I'm not obsessed with it, but I just generally do uh, try to match that up with the ray of the day. So the third ray is the ray of <clears throat> divine love, rose pink ray. And remember, too, that the violet flame is the combination of the pink and the blue. So blue is God's will, divine will, uh, and pink is divine love. Those two combine together to make the violet flame. All right. Those who have successfully passed the initiations of the second temple are taken to the third temple, the temple of love under the great protection and guidance of the beloved Paul the Venetian. And I have seen it written, and it makes sense to me, 
that Paul the Venetian occupies the office of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a position in the planetary hierarchy that various masters hold for a time and that the current occupant of the office of the Holy Spirit is Paul the Venetian. Um, so it says here, here in the temple of love, the neophyte must learn the discipline of unconditional love and harmony for their own life stream and for all other forms of life. So in other words, we learn to love everything, including ourselves and everyone. They are placed in living quarters with those who have within themselves tendencies which are particularly aggravating to others. This is where the numbers of neophytes dwindle and with great feeling of relief, many candidates rush to the door and leave us. To live peacefully with one's fellow men is one of the greatest tests of the unascended state. Although the graciousness, the beauty, the kindliness of this great master, Paul the Venetian, are so astonishing as to melt a heart of stone, the discipline he requires in learning tolerance, compassion, and understanding is such that few survive. So, and, and, and it talks about in the chapter on the third ray that uh, you'll go through a time where you will be living with, in a condition that is very challenging with people who are very challenging. And so, you know, I think of uh, all of you and what you've shared with me for the most part. Uh, most of you, if not all of you, have had a time where you lived with someone or people where it was extremely challenging, extremely challenging. Yeah, and, and it, we choose to be in that challenging situation and relationship because we on a, even maybe on a non-conscious level we know this is our healing to be able to live in that challenge day after day and to develop what he's talking here the graciousness the beauty the kindliness the tolerance the compassion the understanding and you know, take heed that many people bail on it, right? And this is the teaching of A Course in Miracles, that people will go out and create another special relationship rather than stay in the relationship and have it be transformed to holy. Yeah, Carla, did you wish to share something? Yeah, I mean, it's not important, but it's, it's so interesting how I've chosen a life of no primary relationship, it seems, yet I've, a I've asked for and is open to and had two roommates here for a time that was exactly this. And it's like, and it's interesting that I'm so interested in learning from this because the first time I'm not sure I gleaned all the information I could have that I asked for a second one. And even then, I feel like I, for what time, I thought I failed because I didn't get to that piece. And it, 
that I cannot do because I can see that in another relationship start and we're not living together, but it, I really feel like this is exactly right. It says that people want to bail and maybe I did in form, but I did it in myself. And it's, I really feel it's transforming. I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. And if it does happen to my family, fine. If it doesn't, I'm peaceful with it all. But I don't know, I just feel like I want, I felt like sharing that, that I didn't really get it. Or I don't know if I'm on the right words because that's not judgment. But I was, I, I just know that the universe will offer you whatever you need, whatever is helpful for you to awaken. I, I think I have done that for this. I'm not, I don't know if I'm complete or anything. I'm okay with whatever. I just wanted to share that because I wanted to acknowledge it to myself. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Did you have your hand raised, Sue? Yeah. <laughs> with husbands, with friends that lived with me. Um, and right now, my brother-in-law, who has um, MS, we, we traveled together and we bought timeshares together. Um, and we get along fine in the timeshare, but in the car, uh, he attacks whoever is driving. Um, it used to be my husband, and he just couldn't stand my husband's driving. So we said, okay, so, you know, Kathy can drive. So poor Kathy. I mean, he just, he just erupts. When she makes a mistake or turns the wrong way or um, even asks about, you know, what, and, and it's, it, it just so grates on me because, it, you know, she, she loses it. And I'm afraid she's going to have an accident because he's, he's so attacking. Yeah. And is there a way to, to soothe someone like that? You know, that's what duct tape is for. That is the perfect <laughs> contradiction to distress. I want you to know that. <laughs> you're so good at that. <laughs> just say, you're, you're welcome to drive with us. We're just going to make you wear this duct tape, and uh, <laughs> that'll be that. <laughs> or you could put, you know, like a stuff a sock in there or something. Um, <laughs> you know. Put them in the trunk. Um, <laughs> and then you can't see. You can't see, you won't know. Um, no, I understand. You know, well, honestly, I, I think that um, having a sit down conversation with him or maybe an email and just say, um, uh, 
it's so unpleasant and I don't wish to experience it again. And um, we've done that. <laughs> we, you know, we, we told them that we would drive separately um, or we would ply. So we, you know, we, we tried some smaller uh, journeys with him and that was okay. But I think he's, there's something about he's responsible for everybody because it's his car and it's his mission to get us there safely and back again. And the minute we drive into his hometown, he's all smiles and he's benevolent. <laughs> but he's, <laughs> is there a way to soothe somebody when it's happening? No, not, not really if they don't want to be soothed. I mean, of course you can call the violet flame angels and, you know, you, you could say, I need you to take a sedative. Seriously. I mean, something, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, to me, I, I don't put myself through things like that. So I, I would just say, um, it's unfortunate, but you make it so unpleasant for us. We just don't want to drive with you. But if you ever change your mind and you'd like to have a pleasant experience, let's do it. Let's go for it. Okay. But you're, you're, if you're committed to not having a pleasant experience, then that's your free will choice. And what are you going to do? Okay. But, of course, we can always work in the invisible. But sometimes people are belligerently committed to their perspective and their stance. Be why? Because it's part of their identity. And without it, they feel lost. So it's not so much about soothing, I think. You know, and we don't wish to shame him or make him feel guilty or bad or wrong. Yeah. You know, so for me, I've, I've actually said to people, I, you know, I totally respect that this is how you want to proceed with this, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not something I wish to participate in. And so I'm, I'm going to go without you or go different in a different way. Okay, yeah. so so I'm not chickening out on on this ray then. No, you're not. Okay. Yeah. No, you don't have to endure things, but because what is learning tolerance, compassion, and understanding. But if what we're doing is we're enabling somebody and being um, belligerent or enabling somebody and being dysfunctional, that that's not being tolerant. There's, we have to learn to discern the difference, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a journey in and of itself, yeah. you know, so if we're tweaked, like, there's a difference between really being tweaked and bothered by his behavior, and there's just finding it unpleasant and not wishing to put myself through anything unpleasant. Okay. You know, it's one thing if you have a child that you're caring for or an adult 
and they're throwing up, right? And they're, they've got diarrhea and it's a big freaking mess. And it's, you know, we, we, can, we can handle all of that with love, with patience, with tolerance, with compassion. It's not a problem. Anand just told us that beautiful example of caring for his wife for a week, not a problem. But if someone is um, disrespecting other people, then that's not tolerable. We have compassion for it, but we don't enable it. Right. Got it. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we enable it, we're going to feel bad. And what's worse is, like for me, sometimes people would enable my dysfunction. Oh, and it would just make me so mad. Like, no, have the guts to say, stop it. And if they didn't, I just thought, oh, these people are useless. I mean, that was my, my dementia. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, let's get through all these here. The fourth ray, um, which is the emerald green ray, I mean the, the um, white ascension flame, uh, the third temple, and it's Friday is the day. Uh, from the third temple, the initiate moves into the fourth temple, the temple of ascension. This is the first personal contact that Serapis Bay has with the neophyte. For the first time, the candidate must draw forth enough purity to see his I am presence and his holy Christ self face to face. In the initiation, the master himself will stand within the aura of the initiate, presenting many negative imbalances which still exist within the inner bodies. This is when the candidate will hear many voices and only through discrimination, prayer, selflessness, and humility can discern the voice of the silence. It is the time when the self is shown the tricks of the ego and subtle appearances. The aspirant must apply himself to purify all past negative human creations and transform them into pure white light radiance so this is the time when we can recognize there are all these different patterns all these different influences predilections and tendencies and all of that and we learn to be like um moses parting the red sea you know, we just, we're focused, we're going this way, and none of this is going to pull us off course. We notice it, but we don't become distracted by it. We don't become engaged in it. We are focused on where we are going. And so we, we have to learn that discipline. You know, that was one of the things that I definitely um, saw that I had to cultivate. I had to be able to be in a situation where, um, the people around me were getting on my last nerve and no matter how bothered I felt inside, 
I would keep breathing calmly and keep staying focused on, you know, this, none of this is true. None of this is eternal. What's eternal is love. Love is what I am. Love is what we all are. Only love is here. Everything else is noise. And I can rise above the noise because the noise is not real. And, um, and I remember all the time that people used to see me in workshops and classes and things, and they would come up to me privately and they would say, that was amazing how you handled that. It was like it didn't bother you at all. And I was like, oh, no, it was helpful. It was helpful for everyone to see, oh, that's what that looks like when that happens and how you can love the person through it. And they're like, oh, my God, I, I never saw that before. That was incredible. I didn't know how to do it until I was faced with doing it. No idea how to do it until I was faced with doing it. But when I started to be really faced with doing it and I was conscious enough to see, oh, this is me being strengthened. This is, my, this is what I asked for. I asked for the opportunity to be fully loving and boom, here it is. No joke you know, in public, in front of people. And so, um, but you're not alone. You know, it really is tapping into the field to lift and carry you, you know, and that's what A Course in Miracles tells us. It's, we, we just have to be willing, really, really honestly willing. So as I was reading this, I was reminded of the, um, development of trust section, right? In chapter four, as we go through um, these uh, awakening awarenesses where we start to realize that things are only valuable to us if they are real and to recognize that everything without exception is helpful to us. We just have to tune, be willing to tune to the perspective where we can actually see, ah, yes, this is sent to help me, not to torture me or hurt me or diminish me. It's set, sent to help me. You know, like Nelson Mandela could never have become the president of South Africa if he hadn't been imprisoned for 25 years and if you if you know his story I heard him say this that uh, he said like a year or so before he was released he finally after 24 years realized violence is not the way it is not the way to succeed and to have changes violence is not the way until then he thought violence was the way and he um, promoted that but he changed his mind and once he changed his mind then he was refined very quickly and let out of prison and became the president so he had to shift in his consciousness or he couldn't actually lead the country where it needed to go but once he made that shift which he would not have made probably had he not sat in prison for 24 years. And he acknowledged that. 
And then I think it's so funny. Chris Rock did a routine. Chris Rock, the comedian, you know, he, he was doing a, com a routine about marriage. And he said, he said, think about Nelson Mandela. He was in prison for 25 years and he could handle that. But he got out of prison and back into his marriage. And boy, he couldn't handle that for another 25 years. Marriage will break a person. He was like, you know, marriage is harder than prison. That's what that tells me. Oh, my God. So anyway. Yes, yeah, so the subtle appearance of the ego, the ego stuff is what is the, the refinement there of the fourth ray temple. So then the fifth ray is the uh, emerald green ray, which is Wednesday, our day of class. And I don't have as many green clothes, so I don't wear green all Wednesdays. But if you look at all the videos, you'll see I do wear green uh, frequently. Um, so it's the emerald green ray of healing. And uh, Master Hilarion, uh, Mother Mary, Kuan Yin, uh, Archangel Raphael. So after, it's also, it's healing and prosperity. So Mother Mary carries that um, prosperity teaching and uh, Master Hilarion is the healing teaching. So it says, after passing the initiation of the fourth temple, the disciple is ready for the discipline of the fifth temple, the temple of consecration. It is then that the garment of consecration is placed upon them, golden sandals on their feet and a silken robe on their body. Master Hilarion, or beloved Raphael, performs the service of consecration where all body systems are consecrated to purity and ascension. Then consecrations are given of the hands into which the flame of healing is infused and of the feet which become the anchors of the sacred fire whenever the body moves. Consecration of the lips takes place to speak sacred words which involve and command the manifestation of precipitation and healing powers. Consecration of the energies of the eyes enables the discipline to see perfection and to call it forth. This completes the ceremonies. And then the sixth ray, which is the Thursday ray, uh, golden, it's a golden purplish ray, the resurrection ray. The aspirant is then taken to the sixth temple, the temple of service, where he is expected to temporarily put aside his worldly pursuits to be in service to others and to become his brother's keeper. He's also expected to volunteer some of his time to planetary service for the benefit of mankind, not just himself and his family. He must learn to include the rest of humanity in his heart becoming fully aware that the needs of others also affect the needs of many. In the sixth temple, under the sponsorship of Lord Sananda and his beloved twin flame Nada, also known as Jesus and Mary Magdalene, the aspirant is trained to nurture and serve all aspects of life and become a ministering servant. Before a candidate for ascension can become a master. He must also learn the disciplines of the humble servant, selfless service, true brotherhood, and obedience to hierarchy. 
those spending almost their entire lives in the service of some activity or organization to assist and enhance the consciousness of the collective are usually sixth level initiates. In the past, too often, Serapis Bay saw many of you leave Luxor, ready to set the world on fire, only to receive back as you went down the steps of the great temple. This is where a great number of you lost your opportunity for ascension in many incarnations. And then the seventh temple, the violet flame temple, one of transmutation. After the aspiration, aspirant passes the initiations of the first six temples, he is ready to enter the seventh temple, the temple of the violet fire, where every atom, cell, and electron of his being becomes completely purified by the action of the violet flame under the sponsorship of Master Saint Germain. The candidate becomes like a window through which the God life flows with absolute purity. The physical body will give you the greatest possible ease and grace within the laws of harmony if you refrain from taking into the physical body those substances which change its natural vibratory action, disconnecting it from the harmony of the spheres of divine love. When the candidate is ready to fully externalize the will of God, and preparations begin to initiate the final phase of the graduation ceremony of ascension, then all is in the place for the candidate to become an ascended master. Do you see? Blessings from the heart of Luxor. Yeah. For me, I find it very comforting to um, be aware of the planetary hierarchy and how much we're guided and held and carried. None of us is on our own. None of us is without tremendous resources. It's just, will we tap into them? Will we make the most of them? Or what, what will we put our attention on? So uh, my sense is that we, and uh, this is just my sense of it, that, for instance, someone might have this one particular initiation for their whole lifetime and then that perhaps and and then also aspects of each uh ray each temple um as as part of our life experiences i mean i really feel that um i'm in that resurrection ray uh the ministry of the love of christ that's where my focus is. Carla? Okay, I'm trying to understand that you, that the difference between going through the, the, the temples raised and then if it's possible, sometimes we're born on that ray. What does that mean? What's the difference there? Yeah, so let's say that you are, um, you could think of it this way, um, that you have an energetic of uh, your focus of your lifetime is, let's say, compassion, and developing compassion, being extremely compassionate for yourself and for others, and um, that you are a Blu-ray being, so you are demonstrating God's will, 
living in alignment with God's will. And that it's like your tribe is that Blu-ray tribe. And um, so when you probably in your life experience, if you vary from alignment with God's will, you're going to feel it very strongly. So for me, um, I feel at this point in my life right now, I'm really focused in the resurrection rate, but I do see that I've come through uh, areas, aspects of my life or periods of my life that were related to the other rays. And I feel that, um, that forgiveness is what I'm to share. That's my seventh ray activity. I'm, I'm a seventh ray being. So for me, I, I, like I love potions and lotions and crystals and essential oils and prayers and all the things of divine alchemy. I just see that I'm drawn to the, to practicing and learning and discovering different methods of alchemy and transmutation and aligning uh, with freedom, feeling free, unencumbered, but it, and the, the greatest freedom is when you can be loving no matter what. That is the greatest freedom I can even conceive of. That no matter what, you can be wholly and completely compassionate. That's the greatest freedom of all. And, and the seventh ray is all about freedom. So, you know, it's like you, you're, you know, you could say, you're living this life as a woman, so you're experiencing life in that way, um, and you're experiencing it as, um, I don't know, it's like you've got a gender and a race maybe, um, so you've got the ray that you came in on and those aspects, those alignments, um, so for me, I just see that I'm more than anything, I'm drawn, I'm drawn to alchemy. And that's what I teach. I teach alchemy. And forgiveness is the alchemist's best tool, spiritual alchemist's best tool. But I'm focused on the ministration of the love of Christ, that, that, Ministry is my thing, Kareem, and we're we're past time here. So, oh, sorry, I. Okay, um, yeah, I was just making a parallel between this and uh, enneagram also, as like you were born in eight, but you have you know aspects of the others as well, but that's more your focus. So it's something like similar to that with the flames. Yeah, that's a very very good analogy there, Kareem. So. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a eight on the Enneagram and I have a strong nine wing and a strong seven wing. And when I'm really happy, I go to seven and to two. And when I feel more threatened and things like that, I go to nine and five. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and to me, all these different patterns, the pattern of our sexuality, the patterns of our gender and our race and our economic, you know, status 
and where we live and the climate in which we live and um, the kind of life that we've chosen and the work that we do in our astrology and our numerology, all these patterns interweave. So that's why even identical twins are not identical. They are uniquely different. And that's the, the absolute extraordinary beauty of this life that we can weave this tapestry of patterns to express our God self through, but no matter what, the light in me is the exact same as the light in you, in every one of us. That to me is so awesomely cool. And so the thing is to, to love it all and judge none of it and to see it all is the beauty of expression, you know. Like I remember uh, years ago, my um, friend's daughter, she was about 11 years old, and she said, what's the big deal about Picasso? I just don't get it. And I said, yeah, of course you don't get it. You don't, there's nothing wrong with you that don't, you don't get Picasso. If you had lived before Picasso, if you had never seen the world as Picasso saw it and showed it to us, then, you know, I mean, Picasso presented something we had never seen before. You know, Marcel Duchamp blew our brains out with his new Descending a Staircase painting. And the world had never seen anything like that before, never conceived of anything like that before. You know, those who were paying attention to the art world just went, what? You know, including Picasso. But... You, you've come along after that, so it's different. Yep. It's like if you had lived in the world before the Rolling Stones, you would understand why for some people the Rolling Stones were just like, whoa, or the Beatles. Yeah. Well, let's pray. So grateful and so thankful that today is the day of the emerald green ray of healing and we call upon Master Hilarion and Mother Mary and Kuan Yin and Archangel Raphael and the mighty Elohim, the builders of form, Cyclopea and Virginia and all these magnificent beings to walk with us and talk with us for the healing of our physical body our emotional body, our mental body, our etheric body, our spiritual body, all the subtle bodies. We're allowing ourselves to be energized, to be recharged by this emerald green ray, this flame of healing and prosperity. We're cultivating that immaculate heart, that pure heart that holds no grievances, is simply open to love, a Niagara Falls of love pouring forth from our heart into the world. We are grateful and thankful to align with the divine. We share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful that now is the time of our awakening and our healing, and we are sharing it together. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. 
Woohoo! <laughs> Much love to you all, and I'll see you next week. Mwah!